Where do you go? The address. 66 Harborview Road. Hello, hello, and welcome to 66 Harborview Road, a podcast dedicated to ABC's General Hospital. I'm your host, Caitlin, and in today's episode, we are talking about the week of August 8th through 12th. I have a lot of opinions, but my first one is Chrissy, wake up. I don't like this. (laughs) We finally get the talk between Christina and Sunny that we've all been hoping for, and I'm disappointed. Sunny only fell for Nina because she was the only woman in Nixon Falls. He would have fell for any blonde who walked into the bar friends with Phyllis. For Chrissy to say, because Sonny's been there when she's pushed him away, like for most of that, she was a teenager. I do not want her apologizing for acting how teenagers act, because Sonny was the adult in all of those situations and acted like a child. And trying to apologize for Carly walking in on him and Nina, like that almost made me sick. How dare Christina think she is the reason that him and Carly broke up? Sonny did that. I just want her in the mob. Like, if she's going to blindly follow what Sunny says and still try to get attention from her dad, just let her in the mob, even if it's on accident. Have Morgan come back, and then those two could run it together like they did Perks. (laughs) Anything to get Morgan back. Meanwhile, we have Nina chatting it up with Ava about Sunny, how she's into him, Uh, but it's always Carly this and Carly that. Like, stop talking about Carly. You're making her a bigger wedge in your relationship than she needs to be. And also, why are we fighting over Sunny? He's just not it right now. He's floundering. And when him and Nina were at Charlie's, I was just yelling at my screen. Like, Sunny is so manipulative, and she just doesn't see it. She's trying to change Sunny into, like, a law-abiding man, and Sunny is trying to play mobster and Mike. When Smoltz came in, Sunny almost assaults him, and Nina's just sitting there looking dumb. Like, as if she doesn't know Sunny's in the mob. Like, she cannot handle this. She's a liability, in my opinion. Then Sunny and Nina share some kisses, which I looked away from. (laughs) And then Sunny leaves to go talk to Spencer. But he also has some words with Dex this week and how I guess Dex's employment rests on if he was convincing to the juror. I mean, he doesn't have the dead emptiness in his eyes that Jason had to be convincing, but the jury's still out. Literally. (laughs) When Sonny was with Spencer, it was really, really nice to see that uncle to nephew scene. I forget all the time that Sonny is Spencer's half-blood uncle. Sonny tells him he has a guy on the inside, but that's not a guarantee and Spencer should just keep his head down. When brought with the decision, Spencer is taking the route less traveled by a Cassidine. He's willing to go to Pentonville because he wants to do the right thing, not rat anybody out since he's the one who asked for help. It wasn't brought to him. But when he asked Sonny to go track down Esme, why was Sonny acting like he could barely do anything? He once hung AJ from a meat hook and you can't track down Esme? Like, I I don't understand. Like, Sonny can't do anything more. I, whatever. Enough about Sonny himself, but his fake henchman Dex asked his real boss, Michael, for a raise for intimidating civilians. Michael is trying to play this takedown like chess, but he's not even seeing how him and Dex are like Sonny and Jason, just more corporate. (laughs) 
I'm finding the parallels between Sonny and Michael and Michael and AJ at an all-time high, bringing the whole like nature versus nurture argument into question. Now, Michael is also a Spencer from the line of Bobby, so I'm surprised that Michael isn't better at scheming. But as Brando pointed out, Michael was raised with immense privilege but clearly not immense intuition because he can't tell that something is up with Willow. She's trying to get her bone marrow results. Ava walks up and sees that she's upset, so they share a nice moment in the hallway. Clearly, Willow is freaking out. And here comes Michael, walking up, blaming Ava for making Willow upset. Like, I understand Michael is on edge about his entire life right now because he's trying to do this sunny takedown, which... Uh, it's just old, Michael. Like, you've tried this before and it just, it didn't work out. But Ava's reasoning for being at GH was to check if Esme was admitted, and she doesn't see that she was, so she updates Nicholas when he called. Man, that phone call cracked me up. Maura West playing a wealthy woman trying to divorce her husband is gold. <laughs> When they meet at the Metro Court, she is ready to have Nick sign the papers and be out. But then Nicholas brings up, well, if we're married, we can't testify against each other. So now you're going to try and trap her into a marriage? Like, I don't get it, Nicholas. What happened to you? What happened to your character? Literally and figuratively. Alexis then walked over after a meeting with Gregory Chase about his piece for the invader. I understand why we're doing this. He's a much better match for Alexis than Finn was, but I'm sorry. I cannot forget that her and Finn tried to date. I think I've had enough, like, father and sons sharing girlfriends on this show. Like, it is just not the climate of 2022. <laughs> but if I need to forget that Alexis and Finn dated so that Alexis can have a normal man in her life, then I guess that's just what I'm going to have to do. So Ava jetted out of there, and Alexis asks Nicholas why they were called to meet. Well, it turns out that Victor called them all together. But where is Molly, Christina, and Sam? I would assume if they knew that their mother was going to this, that they would want to join her to make sure she doesn't get mixed up in anything. But anyway, Victor wanted to use the power of the press to help Spencer from going to Pentonville. But Alexis strikes it down, stating the social implications will explode with negativity. And she's right. Everything the character said was correct. To watch another rich white boy go free for something he did, while a trial that he was involved with led to an upstanding young black woman getting put in Pentonville. I mean, I choke on it every day in real life. I definitely don't need it in Port Charles. But this whole conversation leading to Nicholas telling Alexis and Victor that Esme has left Windermere and no one knows where she is. So I have some theories about Esme. Some are funnier than others. One, Esme is Austin's boss. I think that would be hilarious. But I'm also wondering if Austin's boss could be Selena Wu. Number two, Esme is clearly alive, so, okay, she falls off the parapet into the water, which we can explain away by saying it's summertime, so the water's warmer, she survived. So she swims to shore, maybe to a different pier, maybe to a shoreline, with nowhere to go, seemingly no money. All she can do is steal a pair of shoes, dry off, and go see Ryan one last time, where he gives her the location of a safe house. That safe house is in Pawtuck, owned by Austin. 
I think these theories are very fun, but I'm curious where she's going to turn up next. Meanwhile, it looks like Spencer is going to Pentonville after speaking with Dante and acting like true cousins. We got a mention of Cameron for providing Spencer with some traditional Kelly's Diner cuisine, but I'm so bummed we don't see him anymore. And for why? Because we're pushing Dex and Jocelyn? Like, <laughs> Trina was a little taken aback by Dex's appearance at the pool, and the camera people sure know how to film an actor coming out of the water, don't they? <laughs> and the exaggerated stares that the other actors do while it's happening. <laughs> That's the part that I love. So Dex calls Sonny, and he says, like, you gotta know something or whatever. So I guess he forgot to tell Sonny earlier that Jocelyn saw him influencing a juror. So Sonny rushes to the poolside, tells Trina, you know, you have people pulling for you. Whatever, Sonny. She doesn't, she doesn't need anything from you. Goodbye. But Sonny takes Jocelyn aside and because of his meddling mob self interjected his business into Trina's trial, Jocelyn is backed into a corner into not telling law enforcement about her witnessing Dex harasser outside Kelly's. It's amazing how Sunny can turn any situation around to be the other person's fault. Like, sure, get me in trouble, but then you'll hurt Avery and Donna. Sure, get me in trouble, but then you'll hurt Trina. Sure, get me in trouble, but then you'll hurt Jason, hurt Carly, hurt whoever. Like, he always is trying to say he's doing the worst for the best reasons. I'm just, I'm so over him right now. The Metro Court pool was popping this week. Dante, Brooklyn, and Chase were also there. Chase is feeling really down about the decision to bring him back to the PCPD taking so long. Dante delivers him this news, and I do feel bad for him on that end. Like, he really does love being a detective or being a cop. This is when Link approaches. Dante was so confused. <laughs> I love a confused Dante. I, it's so great. As Link and Chase talk about the gigs that Link has procured, BLQ appears and Dante figures out what's going on pretty quick. And he even says to her, hey, it's me. We go way back. You do. You go back to like 2010. When Dante and Brooklyn are discussing it, he opens up the possibility that BLQ is doing this more for herself than to help Chase do anything after being a policeman. But as we all know, storylines like this tend to end up a certain way. So I am thinking that Chase is going to skyrocket to stardom in Port Charles, BLQ writing all the songs. However, she becomes jealous that Chase is in the spotlight while she is behind the scenes. This creates some strong emotions between Brooklyn and Willow, Brooklyn and Nina, Brooklyn and Michael, as she remembers the attack from Nell ruining her singing career. And I would assume that the whole Nell, Nina, Willow secret will be out by then. But I digress. What else happened with Dante this week? Oh yeah, him and Sam. Okay, so they bring up living together. And I knew what I was thinking. Like, that's Lulu's house. Bye. Uh, but then Sam said it. So do we think that they would sell both of their places to buy a place together? I mean, I don't want GH to get rid of the penthouse set because it's been there so long, but I'm curious, like, what's actually going to break them up? Is it going to be that neither one of them want to sell their houses or is it going to be Lulu coming back? Sam even talked to Maxie about this after asking about Spinelli. <laughs> Man, Maxie 
keeping so many secrets, the KFC's herbs and spices, Spinelli running society setups. <laughs> Listen, I'm glad that Maxie is involved in some frivolous things right now. I mean, I know Austin is down for something shady, but I'm hoping Maxie is nowhere near that. She went through enough with Peter. And honestly, I just hate seeing Maxie and Austin together in general. I'm rooting for their breakup so much. <laughs> and then to add salt to the wound, when Austin said he had to go to Pawtuck to check his properties, Lucy sits down and tells her, well, Martin told me where he was going when he had to abruptly leave. <laughs> like, oh, poor Martin. First, he's going back and forth with Spencer about what deal to take. And then Anna? Listen, I'm mad at Anna. How dare she blackmail Martin? I wanted more of Martin not to send him away. Anna does not need to creep that bad. She was just with Felicia at the gym. Like, she could have had Felicia do more digging on Valentine. I, I just, I'm so mad at Anna. So, I'm happy that Martin got in her face about how Valentine is more than a client. He's a friend. However, who are Martin's ex-wives? That opens up so many storylines for him, and that makes me think that he is here to stay for the long haul, which I am here for. <laughs> and let me just say, Martin, go to the beach. Always go to the beach. And now for a character I do not care for, Cody Bell Stanton? Uh, no, just no. First of all, he should be Catherine Bell's son, not actually Dominique's. I, I hate this. I, I may not have been there to see Scott and Dominique live, but from what I've seen of clips and heard of, Dominique would have never kept this from Scott, especially as she was dying. I think she would have left a note, said something, uh, just made him aware, like, you know, my ex Leopold is, is you know, horrible. Watch out. <laughs> Anything. And Cody whining like Austin, that namesake was supposed to be mine, that money is mine. Like, what? Like, what a loser. Honestly, like, so many strikes against him. He made fun of Spinelli, he's blackmailing Spinelli, he's taking up screen time from Trina's trial, and the only thing he's going to bring Brit is trouble. And on top of that, the only story he could make up after almost getting caught is that Spinelli is crushing on Brit which he would never, strictly from what she did to Lulu and Dante, among many other things. The only reason Spinelli tolerated Brit at all was because Jason told him to. And guess what? Jason's not here, but because there's no body, Spinelli will hold up to what he said to Jason, that he will be nice to her. And with Scott comes Liesl, and between the two of them, we got an update about Serena saving the whales. I just wish she would come to Port Charles. But we also got a small rundown about Cody's alleged father, Leopold Taud, who allegedly had dealings with Cesar Faison. Like, what is this mess? It's dumb. I don't like it. But if we get more Scott from this, I guess that's fine. I did like the visual of Liesl, Britt, and Scott together talking. Um, Britt was being a good listener as well as posing theories that maybe they don't think of. I think it's really good that Scott has people to bounce ideas off of. What we did not need was Cody punching Scott. First of all, Cody's supposed to be what, in his mid to late 30s? Why are you out here punching grandpas, bro? Like, what is going on? I'm so glad he got arrested, so glad Dante yelled at him, 
The only good part about those scenes was his arrest and Dante saying, I found out Sonny was my dad after he shot me. (laughs) Scott then enters the PCPD and drops the charges because he is curious about whatever this is with Cody. I'm not curious. I mean, I'm happy to see Scott anytime. I'm just, this character of Cody, he he can go. He can go. We had a micro look into Drew trying to take Victor down to encourage Valentine to give back ELQ right after Victor threw Charlotte in Valentine's face. (laughs) I loved the line Drew had telling Valentine, one or more of you is always causing trouble. (laughs) Isn't that true though? Like Cassidines are known villains of the show with Nicholas being the prince among scoundrels. And I also liked Valentine's line to Drew saying, that he has a hopelessly American value about family. <laughs> I mean, it is true. Like, as horrible as Castanines are, they do sort of kind of put family first until Nicholas killed Helena. But we never got into that. And that's kind of driving me crazy. It happened so long ago at this point. I, I just, I want to know, did he really do it? Carly meets with the job coach that Drew met with a few weeks ago. And I'm, I am questioning where Carly is going after the Metro Court. Like, what is she going to be involved in? And the last thing before the trial stuff I'll mention is Spinelli and Maxie at the nail salon, where it is crystal clear that Spinelli wants Maxie back now that there are no distractions. Well, besides Austin. <laughs> now for the heavy part of GH. Portia and Curtis are ready to infiltrate Oz Haggerty's room to inject him with the drugs to wake him up. Jordan and Rory are guarding the door, and Jordan asks Rory to put the badge above his feelings. He ends up blocking Portia from entering, and then TJ tells Jordan about the plan to wake up Oz and that Portia stopped him. Jordan then overhears Trina and Curtis talking about her future and about Portia and how she needs to see her mom and her mom is everything and Diane called everyone to let them know the jury is working through lunch and did not order dinner, so they may be back with a verdict sooner than later. What surprised me here was Jordan pulling the fire alarm, giving Portia the opportunity to get into Oz's room. But one of the biggest holes in the plan is Esme is gone. Jordan and Rory discussed how they can't prove Esme fabricated evidence, and even if Oz wakes up and says, oh, Esme bought the phone from me, it doesn't prove that she set it up to record and distributed the video. Curtis has put his theory out there that Esme drugged Trina, but there would be no proof that she drugged the drink that specific night. There would be proof that she had the drug at Windermere, but there would be no proof that she had it at the cabin. I mean, the most important part of this is Trina should be found innocent. Not just not guilty, but innocent beyond a reasonable doubt. Printed in every paper, shouted all over town. This girl's entire life has been turned upside down and her privacy violated all because Esme was jealous. I can't. Part of me never wants to see Esme again, but there's another half to her story, which is Ryan Chamberlain. So as the audience, we know she's coming back. But is Felicia really her mom? I I don't want it to be. I, I think it would have been so much better if her parents were like Ryan and Heather Weber. I've been saying that for a while. I just think it would make for a great story. And that's kind of all we had this week. It, it wasn't too heavy. 
Uh, There wasn't like a whole lot going on. It was a lot of like the same conversations through the week. But next week, I'm hoping to see what Austin is up to in Pawtuck. I will laugh so hard if it turns out that Esme is the boss. (laughs) And of course, I want Trina's verdict to be innocent. I just need a couple of things to go my way on GH. (laughs) Catch me on Twitter at 66 underscore view, Instagram at 66 Harborview Road, and TikTok at 66 underscore Harborview Road. From the Quartermain foyer, I bid you a great week.